Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on His side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right. Hello, Las Vegas. Happy Thursday, one and all. Great to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in today. This is The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Our address, 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard. If you would like to join us for services on Sunday, you can do that at 9.30 or 11.15 Sunday morning, 6 p.m. Sunday evening. And don't forget, this Sunday night is our One Church Sunday. For those of you that have come to Liberty for a few years, it is a rebranding of our Hispanic Hispanic Heritage Sunday. So we'll be celebrating all the different cultures and communities represented here in our church with a potluck fellowship after our evening service. That should be a lot of fun. Hope you can join us for that. And that's 6 p.m. Sunday evening. All right, later on today in the program, we're doing something... uh, a little bit, um, usually on Thursdays we focus primarily on politics and issues and culture. And we're going to do that. We're going to do that for the for the majority of the show here starting out. But uh, towards the bottom of the hour, we will be switching over. We have a great interview coming up at the bottom of the hour with uh, a guy named Phil Lawler. If you're not familiar with that name, it's because you didn't grow up listening to things that were produced by Focus on the Family, most specifically Adventures in Odyssey. But I'm really excited as someone who did grow up with Adventures in Odyssey uh, to share that interview with you because I think that you are going to enjoy it. Excuse me. (coughs) This is what happens when you eat peanut M&M's. Like, I love peanut M&M's, but you would think, uh, after being on the radio for any amount of time, that I would understand that eating anything that has peanuts in it is not a good idea when you're about to be on the radio. Like, it's just not smart. (sighs) Someday, someday I'll learn how to do this well, right? Okay. All right, so now that peanuts are out of the way, and uh, we're not talking about that anymore... Let's dive right into some of these issues, shall we? Now, this week on social media, a lot of times I'll address uh, fads and trends and what's trending on Twitter. There have been some trends on Twitter uh, this week. For those of you that are on Twitter, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Some of you that watch CNN and other stations may also know uh, what I'm talking about. But there have been some trending things happening in our country this week that I'm specifically not going to talk about today. Uh, Just because I don't talk about some of the things that have happened this week doesn't mean that I'm not aware of them, okay? I probably am, uh, and I probably have a very strong opinion on said issues that I'm happy to share with you off the air, but for the context of this program, I've I've chosen not to address some of the things that have gone on uh, this week because A, this is a family program and I want to keep it that way, and B, I find many of these things irrelevant, overhyped, or just downright silly, Um, And specifically this week, I'm choosing to overlook some news items, and they may seem like a glaring oversight to you that I don't address these things uh, because some of them are related to the president and what have you. But for me, again, they just fall under one of the two previously mentioned categories. I don't think they're actually relevant to 
what's happening in our country or what we need to be talking about on this program specifically. There are plenty of other programs where you can go and listen to to people talk about uh, people that are looking for attention, saying and talking about disgusting things, and then using those disgusting things to get attention and get hour-long segments on CNN. I'm not going to talk about those today, all right? Because the, the media... It's amazing. It's amazing how much power the media has over us. And I say this as someone who, at least to some degree, is in media, if you will, right? Like, I'm talking to you on the radio. You're taking time to listen to me on the radio. I, I'm in this whole media thing to a degree. I, I think it's it's a little bit different, I think, because I broadcast uh, from, uh, from a church. And uh, so I, I try to not get too overly political in some of the, the things that we discuss and, and come at things more from like a family uh, biblical perspective rather than a, a conservative or liberal perspective per se. But the media in general, I got to tell you guys, just even this past week, it's incredible to me uh, how very real fake news is. And it's not, and I, to be honest, I'm one of the people that have always hated the term fake news. Like, I hate the term fake news. Mostly because we've reached a point where I feel that that expression is used uh, to define anything that I might disagree with or that I don't think is true, whether or not it actually is. Like, if I don't like that, I'm just going to say fake news. I'm just going to call fake news, and then that ends the conversation, because where do you go from there? I don't like what you said, so what you said, therefore, is fake news. And, and that's, that's silly. But that's where we've come to at many points. But actual fake news, like news that is incorrect, it's, it's so prevalent right now. And it's not at all like one-sided. It's not all relegated to CNN or ABC or Fox News or The Blaze or your favorite alphabet stew, right? No. I, I, like, did you see? I'm sure you saw it. There's now a viral video of this weather reporter last week acting like how... Uh, how he's about to blow away and die in the hurricane because it's so terrible. And, and not that there's not incredible damage from the hurricane. There is. But this reporter is playing it up to such a ridiculous degree. And you don't even realize it until in the background, two teenage boys stroll calmly past him. And <laughs> it's very obviously not anywhere near as bad as he's portraying it. But why is he doing that? He's doing that to influence what you think and to support what he is trying to get you uh, to, to think and to believe. And that's a very obvious example, but I think it's a pretty accurate representation of what all of mainstream media is trying to do, right? They're trying to influence you. I'm trying to influence you. Like, I'm, I'm, just be real honest and transparent here right now. And beyond influence... I, 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 th this is where it gets this is where it gets dangerous right like there's one thing when people are trying to influence you and all media has a spin all media has its own influence and it's it shouldn't it's not supposed to but it does but beyond influence we've gone beyond just trying to influence what you think to where now media is pandering to what they think that you want to hear so that you will keep tuning in and keep clicking on links so that they keep making money now you may say, well, that's hypocritical because you do that. Well, the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter how many times you click on a link for this station or how many times you tune in to listen to me, the money I make, that doesn't affect it at all. Like my salary is not in any way based on whether or not you click on links or listen to me. So I think I have a little bit of room to say that, okay, because I'm, I'm 
church staff, technically, so I'm paid by the church, and radio doesn't really have anything to do with my money situation. So that, I'm, I'm not trying to get you to listen, I'm not trying to get you to click, because that's not how it works for me. But it is for most other media. And it's this way on both sides, okay? I, let me give you an example, alright? And this is going to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, which, by the way, that's a terrible expression. But I, I, we, I just I need to give you an example, right, of how both sides are doing this, okay? Two NFL players have knelt the first two weeks of opening season, 2000 era of, uh, not opening season, no, uh, as the NFL season has opened uh, here this fall. An additional two have opted to stay in the tunnel, and I believe there were two others that have either sat or raised a fist. So that's a grand total of six, six NFL players protesting during the anthem in the first two weeks of the regular season. Six players. The NFL has 1,696 players at any given time. That means that 1,690 players did not protest the anthem in any way, shape, or form. Or if you want to get more mathematical... 0.35% of NFL players protested as the season has opened the past two weeks. Now, that doesn't even include the rest of everyone else that's standing on the sideline, the coaches, the trainers, the personnel. I mean, you've got an average of 15 coaches per side, five refs for each game minimum, three chain guys at least, probably more than that, uh, 10 ball and water boys per team at a minimum, all right? So, So we'll update the numbers just a little bit, okay? So we add another 808 people. To, to each week of NFL personnel on sidelines. So you've got 2,504 people on the sidelines of NFL football games on Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays, whatever other days we throw into the mix. And out of the 2,504 people involved in an NFL football game or in, in the games on Sundays, six of them protested. That's 0.24% of NFL personnel that have been involved in the protests since the season opened. That's less than one quarter of 1% of NFL personnel. Tell me where else in society we judge an entire group of people by what less than one quarter of 1% of them do. We don't. It's silly. And yet if you turn on a certain perspective of the news this past Monday or Tuesday, the blasting, blaring headline was, Game over! I got this in an email. Game over! NFL players kneel, raise fists, and stay in tunnel for the anthem in second week of NFL football. But the article fails to mention the actual numerical facts that less than one quarter of 1% are actually involved in this. Why? Because media is about money. It's not about ethical reporting. And I use this example because it's such an obvious example from what many of us grew up being told was the fair and balanced side of the news, if you will. That's not fair. It's not balanced. It's neither one. It's not fair or balanced. But there's a narrative of things they want you to think and a narrative of things they think you want to hear. And it's not good. And neither is the other side. I mean, good grief, the examples are endless when it comes to the other side. And (laughs) let's just, let's take, for example, the Brett Kavanaugh situation. You have a Democrat senator who claims to have had an accusation against this man for months and holds on to it until the very last minute. The leftist media then reports that this accusation is credible. 
repeatedly tells you repeatedly that this is a credible accusation, despite there being absolutely zero evidence to support that claim. Contrast, if you will, their response uh, to this accusation against uh, Brett Kavanaugh with that of Juanita Broderick, who knew the exact day, time, and place that she was violently raped by Bill Clinton. She told two friends the day that it happened after they found her bruised and bloodied. That is what a credible accusation looks like. There isn't credibility to the Kavanaugh uh, claim. Now, I'm not saying based on that whether it did or did not happen. And if it, it did, then Kavanaugh should step away. And I talked about this earlier this week. If it's true in any way, then Kavanaugh needs to step away. Let Amy Barrett come in. Uh, but you shouldn't be able to just dis completely destroy a man's career based on an accusation. Guys, they could do this to your dad. They could do this to your brother. They could do this to your friend. Right? You, you, we can't live in a society where we are guilty until proven innocent. And we can't live in a society where anyone can come forward and say anything and we say it's credible when there's no evidence. Especially when that same media that's like, this is a credible claim, though there is zero evidence. Take somebody like Juanita Broderick and they're like, no? What? No? Or take Kathleen Willey. Similar situation. Evidence. Credibility. Media. Silence. How about, how about Beto O'Rourke, the guy that's running against Ted Cruz in Texas, who drove drunk, hit someone, and attempted to flee the scene? The media doesn't care about that one. Or how about, how about Ted Kennedy? There's literally a movie about how he kills a woman, but the man went on to serve decades in Congress. My point is this. Whether it's getting you outraged about the anthem or getting you outraged about Brett Kavanaugh, it doesn't matter which side of the political or philosophical spectrum you are on or who your favorite media outlet and media personalities are. By and large, they are feeding you what they think will keep you listening, keep you watching, and keep you clicking. Follow the money. That is how this works, you guys. Or I should say, I, I, sh I, sh <laughs> I should say, this is how it has worked in the past. The media telling Americans what Americans should think. But something that's becoming more and more of an issue in the past several decades is a move to not only tell Americans what to think, and then, in addition to influencing, then pander to the audience in order to make the money with the clicks and the follows and the likes, but now we've reached a point where not only do we tell Americans what to think, and not only do we pander to what we think they want us to tell them to think, but now, now we're going to tell Christians what they may or may not think. So he's taking it a step further. And we have that happening in obvious, blatant instances like that of Jack Phillips and the Baker, and we have it in more subtle references in your favorite TV shows. Trust me, look for it. You'll find them. This past week, this phenomenon was most evidenced, I think, in two specific instances. The first was when Chelsea Clinton said that to reverse Roe versus Wade would be unchristian. She said that as a deeply religious person, she believes that reversing Roe versus Wade would be unchristian, and she based that on 
on some different things that she talked about, including uh, the, how many women were dying and the dangers of abortion prior to abortion being legalized. Her numbers were all completely skewed, but that's what she, she based it on. She said that ro- turning over Roe versus Wade would be unchristian. Yes, to stop the killing of babies, according to Chelsea Clinton, would not be Christ-like. Now, I'm not here to tell you <coughs> Excuse me. I'm not here to tell you whether or not Chelsea Clinton or either of her parents or her husband have accepted Jesus as their savior and whether or not they'll be in heaven when they die because I don't know the answer to that question. And you might say, "But the fruits, we know them by their fruits." Okay, sure. They've messed up. They're sinners. Saved or not, they're still sinners. You might mess up too from time to time. I'm not getting into that aspect of this. What's troubling is that Chelsea claims to be a Christian with deep faith and says that it would be unchristian to end row. Can we talk about that? Can we think about that statement for just a minute? And this is going to be very crass and kind of gruesome, and I apologize in advance for this. And parents, if you have young children listening, you may want to turn this off right now because I'm going to paint a picture that isn't pretty. Because when you talk about the murdering of unborn children, it isn't pretty. But we need to discuss that those who claim that it would be unchristian to overturn Roe versus Wade, this is what they're saying. This is what Chelsea Clinton, in essence, is saying. What she is saying is that Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, Lord of creation, creator of all life, That if a woman came to him seeking an abortion, Jesus would, without hesitation or attempting to counsel the woman out of it or offering her a sonogram or doing the myriad of things those who serve in crisis pregnancy centers do, he wouldn't do those things. No, instead, Jesus, Jesus would murder the unborn baby. What they are saying is that Jesus would pull an unborn baby from the womb and if alive would allow it to die, or again, parents, you may want to turn it off now, if, if partial birth abortion was needed, that he would crush the baby's skull and pull that baby piece by piece from the mother's womb. That is what Chelsea Clinton is saying when she says that it is unchristian to overturn Roe. She is saying that Jesus, Jesus would perform this brutality on a child that he loves and that he created with his own hands. That is disgusting, that is despicable, and that, quite frankly, is heresy. There is nowhere in the Bible, whatever version you want to pick, whether it was written in 1612 or 1993, there is no version where you will find Jesus supporting a situation like this. He's not there because that's not him. And there's arguments online of, well, Jesus never told a woman what to do with her body. Yes, he most definitely did. He definitely did. (laughs) The woman caught in adultery? Do you think her body was a little bit involved in that situation? Just a thought. But he he wasn't like, oh, you know what? Your body, your choices, none of my business. No, no. He said, go and sin no more. Don't do that anymore. Other arguments I've seen online, like people are like, well, where in the Bible? The Bible never talks about abortion. Where does it, the Bible ever talk about abortion? Well, there's a, there's a pretty simple one. It's called, thou shalt not kill. That, that's, that's pretty much the summary. And I could go on and on with verses about Jesus loving little children or how God crafts us and molds us and creates us and makes us in our mother's womb. But for the sake of time, I'm going to go on to the next example of this. Uh, But before I do, let me just say this. If you're passionate about life, 
If you believe the Bible is true and that Jesus loves the little children, if you want to literally save innocent babies' lives, you need to be at the First Choice Pregnancy Services Banquet uh, tomorrow night, Friday night. It's a great event, and the work this organization is doing, literally they are saving hundreds of lives every year. Please consider being a part of this. You can learn more at firstchoicefriendslv.org, firstchoicefriendslv.org. Come on out support the biggest uh, crisis pregnancy center that we have uh, in our state, one of the largest in the country, doing an incredible work. It's tomorrow night. Visit their website. You can find out all about it. But so we have, a, we, have, um, we have the media now not only telling Americans what they should think, not only pandering to what they think people want to hear so that they'll keep clicking and keep making money off of them, but now they're telling Christians what Christians can or cannot think and what Jesus would be or what Jesus would not be. And then we, so we have Chelsea Clinton making this despicable remark, and then we move on to the Emmys, and at the Emmys, at the Emmys, co-host Michael Che at the 70th Annual Emmy Awards in his opening monologue, said that his mom doesn't like watching white award shows because you guys don't thank Jesus enough. The only white people that thank Jesus are Republicans and ex-crackheads. So not only is the Jesus the brunt of the joke now, but Republicans and ex-crackheads, we're going to throw them in there too. So what, what does this mean? Would they prefer that people stay on crack? I mean, we know that Hollywood prefers Democrats and socialists, at least those are the ones that they shove down our throats by and large, and those are the ones that are the most, most vocal. But what, what, what did they want to happen? And when did Jesus become the running joke? But we weren't done, though. Let's take things a step further, right? The Emmys weren't done insulting your Christian worldview. No, no, Thandie Newton, uh, the star of a show called Westworld, took a cue from Ariana Grande. She got up starts her remarks and says, I don't even believe in God, but I'm going to thank her tonight. I don't even believe in God, but I'm going to thank her tonight. That's not a deep theological thought. That's mockery. That's blasphemy. That is messed up. And guess what? Your kids are watching this stuff. Your kids are talking about this stuff. This is what's being discussed on playgrounds and in high schools all across this country. Chelsea Clinton is standing up and dictating societal norms and telling the world what is Christian or what is not Christian. Hollywood is not going to tell people the truth. And if the only outspoken quote-unquote Christians out there are ones that are talking absolute nonsense about what Jesus would say or do or be, the outlook, the, the, the outlook, I'm sorry, is not good. And you know what? That's exactly why I support the guys who make movies like Facing the Giants. Sure, sometimes the acting is downright lousy. But you know what? They're trying to impact the culture. They're trying to break through the noise. That's why when a guy like Kevin Sorbo teams up with Sean Hannity and they make a movie called Let There Be Light... I don't agree with them on everything they believe or that they might say about the Bible, but I know 100% that they're not presenting my Jesus as someone who would run an abortion clinic. And I'm going to support that, even if I don't agree with everything that they do or say or believe outside of that film. That's why when Rick Warren writes The Purpose Driven Life, I don't agree with Rick Warren on whole bunches of stuff. But if he writes a book that is God-honoring and biblical and that can make a huge impact on our culture... 
then yeah, I'm going to buy it and I'm going to promote it. And I know we have to be careful about who and what and how we promote. But you guys, just because someone is a Southern Baptist or maybe there's a drum set in their church or, or what about if we go the other direction? Huh? Can we be real here for a second? What if they don't own a TV? What if they believe that Disney is evil and they wear dresses every day of the week? It doesn't matter if they love Jesus. In the end, all that matters is if they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If what they're presenting or saying is doctrinally pure to the essentials of our faith, then you should be championing them, championing their causes. Don't be the James and the John. Don't be all, hey God, did you see them over there? They're not doing it exactly like we're doing it. You want us to call down thunder? Let's stop them. Ooh, no. We have the world, the flesh, and the devil all teamed up together in a fight against us. We don't need to be fighting each other. You've got, you've got the media. You've got people speaking incorrectly on behalf, quote unquote, for Christianity. And, and, and just the devil out there spreading lies. Trying to destroy us. We don't need to destroy each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to inspire each other. We need to provoke one another to love and to good works and to see the good and to teach the good and to promote the good things. Because people are speaking into our cultures. People are speaking into your children's lives. Why not come alongside the people that are actually speaking truth, the people that are actually presenting good things, and give them a hand up? And that's why I'm excited, super excited about our next segment. We're going to talk to a guy who's dedicated over 30 years of his life to impacting our culture by reaching children with truth. I'm so excited about this interview. I think you're going to love it. So don't go away. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. And we will be back right after this song. Stay with us. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experian Liberty Radio in Las Vegas. Today, I am super excited to have Phil Lawler with us on the program. He has just authored a new book, the first in a new series from Adventures in Odyssey over at Focus on the Family. Welcome to the program, Mr. Lawler. How are you? Thank you very much for having me on, Crystal. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic to have you. You know, I've had uh, I had Dave Arnold on a few months ago, and uh, when he was here, I told him as someone who literally grew up on Odyssey. I think I was three years old when it began. Uh, it was <laughs> so surreal to talk to someone who played literally the voice of Jesus. Like it was just, it, it was messing with my head the whole time. And now, you know, I've got I've got Dale Jacobs essentially on the line and. Uh, Growing up, relating to Robin, it's it's kind of weird to be talking to her dad, um, but yeah, <laughs> that's great. That's wonderful. It, it really. It, well, you know, I, I also co-created the series, so I actually co-created that Jesus character. That should really blow your mind, right? I know, I know. I've I when uh, when I got the email about doing this potential interview earlier this week, I was like, oh my goodness, Phil Lawler. I could interview Phil. Like, if you had told eight-year-old me that this would be happening. I would totally be geeking out like nobody's <laughs> business, and I'm not going to lie, it's oh. still happening today. So I just... Yeah, very, very sweet. Thank no, you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you, because Odyssey is just an incredible family program and really a ministry to young people, and I am so grateful to you and the entire team that's dedicated over 30-plus years now to making really 
uh, just incredible quality Christian family entertainment. So, um, but that's not, we didn't come today, right, to talk about how awesome it is that I get to talk to Dale Jacobs. What we really brought you here today to talk about is the power of story in impacting young lives, as well as your new book, which is going to do exactly that. So let's start with the power of story in impacting young people. What is it that makes storytelling such a compelling avenue uh, for communicating truth to children? Well, we are stories. That's what we are. Um, uh, every single one of us is a story. We're all part of a grand story, and we all have individual stories within that story. Everything that we do during the day, every single thing that we do, you get up in the morning and you go in and you take care of, uh, you, you wash up, you take a shower, that's a story. You go to the dentist, that's a story. You make your breakfast, that's a story. We talk to each other in stories. When you stop and think about it, uh, you, get, you, get to your, you get to work and you say, hey, you know what just happened to me on the freeway? You'll never guess it. And then you tell a story. Mm. Uh, we are stories. And so um, the grand storyteller, God, the fifth word of the Bible is created. He created us to be creative. And because of that, uh, we communicate with each other in stories, and, and, and we tell each other stories. And so because we are, in essence, stories, what, what, what are stories? Stories have uh, peaks and valleys. You have to go through the valley in order to get to the peak, which prepares you to go to another valley. We have dramatic needs. We have goals. We have obstacles getting in the way of those goals. We have nemeses. We have uh, grand triumphs. We have glorious failures and glorious victories. Uh, that's that's the essence of who we are, and so that's why I think story is compelling for everybody. Every single person on the globe can tell a story, and because we're stories, we might as well tell them well. Yeah, and we might as well tell them to young people, right? Because yeah. that's yeah. <laughs> that's what the, they're they're doing it on the playground too. It's not just us driving on the freeway. It's oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, you know what he just did to me? You know what just happened in class? Oh, you'll never guess what just happened. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. So was that the goal for Adventures in Odyssey at the beginning? Or how did that work out? Were you guys just sitting around and you were like, you know what we need to do is we need to tell stories to kids? Yeah, you know, essentially, uh, when you boil it down, that's kind of what it was. But uh, the, the brief history is that James Dobson at the time was, uh, was of course, on the air, very popular radio show, and focus on the family. And uh, we had all been way back then, even back then, decrying the fact that there's really uh, we have to guard our kids against uh, against the, the the pressures of the outside world, against what the secular world is trying to teach them. And then at at some point, we realized, you know, it's not enough to just guard everybody against it. We have to provide an alternative. We sure. have to tell our own stories. We have to do, and we have to do it well. In fact, we have to do it better uh, if we can than what they're doing out there, because what they're doing out there is, is can be more attractive than what. We have to do it better. We have to really sit down and start telling stories. And so what we wanted to do is say, uh, I always, I always, way back when, categorized it as a Warner Brothers cartoon approach. Mm. We decided to, to target our stories for a specific age group, which is 8 to 12, the kind of uh, preteen kind of, uh, of age group, which is really important. It's, important. it's an important age. because It's a very formative age. Mm-hmm. But we also said, let's, let's give everybody who's going to listen something. So let's give their their younger brothers and sisters something to listen to. Let's give their teen, uh, their older teen brothers and sisters something to listen to, their parents something to listen to. Um, you know, I, it's been a while since I've been the parent of a young child, but I do remember whenever my son played something, he played it in front of me, and I heard it over and over and over <laughs> again. But you know what? <laughs> if we're going to do that uh, and, and kids are going to play these adventures over and over again, let's give the parents something as well. So that's how it kind of blossomed into 
a storytelling for the whole family. That's so true, because I, I, I remember growing up, my parents would be subjected to, and I say subjected to, but I think they secretly enjoyed it, to Odyssey for hours upon hours on car trips, but... Uh, and I remember us all sitting around crying at the end of Wish You Were Here, and then they told us that the whole reason why Wit was actually gone was because Hal Smith had died, and then it was just a huge sob fest, and yeah, so everybody Aww. gets connected to Odyssey, but so so you're you're building this this adventure uh, that's going to be a yeah. series, and you're like, you, you guys are obviously master storytellers. Was it always that way, or did you develop along the way where you said, you know what, as we craft stories, these are the elements, like these are some key elements that we need to have in each uh, story or each saga, and these are things that we need to leave out. Well, I think that we, we started out the whole wanting to tell stories. We have a passion for telling stories. I would say that we always did it well, but uh, as we went along, we our passion was such that we started looking for great elements in storytelling. We started really looking for what stories we liked as kids, what stories we were currently uh, following say, on television or in films or whatever, and, and in books that we were reading. And we're saying, wow, that's really, really interesting. How can we bring that element of storytelling into Odyssey? How can we do that? How do we, how do we take that? And what is it? You have to really understand analytics. You have to analyze the story and say, what is it about that exchange that I just read that's so compelling and so uh, uh, emotional or so funny? And, and how can I take that and bring it into Odyssey? And so a lot of what we did was, was just a, a, grand, a great deal of research, just research, 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 to find out what good storytelling was and good storytelling is. And those things, plots, character, dialogue, beginnings and endings, inciting incidences, dramatic need, rising and falling action, all of those things come together to make good stories, and we really try to uh, to inculcate every single Adventures in Odyssey episode with uh, as many of those elements as we could. We didn't always succeed. Some of them are, you know, well, you know, they're not quite as good as others. <laughs> but I think on the most part, for the most part, you know, we really tried to make sure that every episode had one big, huge takeaway, one moment that everybody could go, all the listeners could go away. Oh, that was a great moment. Wow, that was really cool. And so I think that's really kind of what we were looking at. Yeah. So so how does that translate over? So we've got people listening. You know, they're working with kids, whether that's in Sunday school or maybe a Bible club or they're they're a teacher, and they're involved in telling uh, character building stories or, or Bible lessons like Odyssey does. What what are is it is it just immersing yourself in stories to learn how to tell a good story, or what would you say if you had you know one or two things be like this is how you develop your storytelling ability? What would those be for people like that that are listening? I think it goes back to what I said earlier. Remember that we all are stories. Time and space are stories. Stories move through time in a space. Mm. Time and space are stories. We are grand stories, each of us. And the the idea behind it is, you know, there are some people. Who, who can who can go through an amazing experience and then tell the experience to others and just be like, make it so boring. And, <laughs> and then there are other people who can get up and trip over a hairpin on the floor and tell the story, and it's hilarious. It's yeah. amazing. And there's some folks who do have kind of an innate ability to understand good storytelling, but all of us have this ability. I firmly believe this, and if we recognize the fact that we are stories, all of us are stories, we're living grand stories, and remember what elements make stories good, which is right again all those types of things. Dramatic need you you have it. You have a goal, little goals, big goals. Everybody has goals, and there are obstacles in your path. And how do you overcome those obstacles? 
Um, that's that's the essence of storytelling. And, and look at your life that way. Look at life as being that way. And then know where you are in the story. Mm-hmm. Know where you are in the story. If you're in the doldrums right now, if you're in a bad place, what happens next in grand stories? Oh, a great, great thing happens. You know, you, it's preparing you for the great thing that's happening next. Mm-hmm. And that's what you kind of need to remember, I think, in terms of story. The one last thing also that I would say, remember that the Christian life, and this is what we really tried to do with Adventures in Odyssey, especially with John Avery Whitaker, the Christian life is a, a wonderful, dynamic, amazing, incredible story that is that is it's the best life you could ever live. We, we like to think of the Christian life as being sort of this rule book of don'ts. You know, we have these old sure. stern bachelor uncles who are saying, don't do this and don't do that. I don't think that's the way it is at all. I think God created this earth for us to to, 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 to tame and subdue. He said, go forth and multiply and, and, and name all the animals. He, he told us to, to conquer the earth, basically. The earth is for you to take care of the earth, and the earth is for you to, to do this, uh, to, to live in. And we should be doing it. We should be, we should be like King David. We should be doing, doing that going on the grand adventure of life, of the Christian life especially, the fullest every single day. That's exactly right, and that's and that's just a little piece of what you're bringing to us, I think, in your new book that you and Dave Arnold have out. Uh, you mentioned John Avery Whitaker, obviously the character, as, as people who listen to Odyssey would know, that's the character that Odyssey revolves around. Whether you were listening mm-hmm. 30 years ago or whether you're listening today, the voice may have changed, but the character is still the same. And uh, your new book, it's called The Trader's Treasure, and it's part of a new series. Did I read that right? There's a Young Wit series? That's right. That's right. Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure. So what? So, okay. Tell, uh, I, I don't want you to give away the whole plot. Um, <laughs> but tell us, uh, I mean, some of my favorite episodes of Adventures in Odyssey, and probably this is for everyone who, who grew up with Odyssey, um, are of Wit's childhood, right? There's with, uh, where his sure. stepmother goes blind. There's him and Jack discovering Blackbeard's treasure, his service at Guadalcanal. <laughs> uh, like, all the, all the young Wit stuff is, like, classic, epic Odyssey. So where does this new series fit in the timeline of Wit? Like, are we getting him pre-Blackbeard's uh, treasure? or or and are we going to get to see young jack like what what's going on with this new series <laughs> oh you're asking so many wonderful questions <laughs> um you know this series uh, basically I'll, I'll just give you a little background dave and i uh, I, I was one of the creators of odyssey dave has been with odyssey from the beginning uh, i took a little hiatus a while back and then came back to the program about five years ago and when i came back uh dave kind of looked at me and said you know you a long time ago you wanted to do stories about young wit and i said yeah, yeah, and I said we've done you know, with stories, and he said yeah, and I, and I said you know I really wanted to turn it into a book series. He said, well, let's see if we can do that. And so the timing was right uh, for us to try to, to to explore and examine young wit. And basically, this uh, takes takes place. We start off with the young wit series pre uh, pre Blackbeard's treasure, <laughs> uh, and actually pre uh, pre uh, the uh, pre his mother getting blind too. Uh, actually, we start off with Young Wit before he becomes a Christian. He's nine years old. Okay. He's not even a Christian yet. Because of his uh, because of his mother's death, he's not sure he even believes in God. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and basically, the idea is that his uh, his family has moved to America from Scotland. If you know the, mm-hmm. the whole history of Wit, you know that. And they first moved to little to Charlotte, North Carolina. Then they moved to a, this. This book starts when they moved to a new place, a little town called Providence. And by the way, uh, Providence. So I was talking with Dave the other day. 
where we where we located Providence was right in the path of Florence. <laughs> so we're, we are, yeah, we are oh, uh, we, we are very mindful of the folks in North Carolina, and we're praying for them. Um, but uh, but he grew up in this little small town called Providence. His father, it's close to, to Durham, it's, 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 so his father was a professor of a university. And he's in, he's basically this first book deals with him being the new kid on the block. Mm. He has to navigate what that is like, being in a new town, making new friends. Um, he's also very smart and very precocious. He gets into a lot of trouble. Mm. And, uh, and, and now he has to deal also with the local bully. Um, and, then, and then on top of all of that, um, he, he discovers that his ancestors actually lived in this small town and, and around this small town. And he discovers that uh, they got involved in a mystery and an intrigue involving Confederate gold. Mm. And he has to he has to solve the mystery. There, his family name is on the line, and he has to solve the mystery of the Confederate gold. And that's what the Trader's Treasure is all about. And how he does it is it's just a corking good read, I tell you. It's just a corking good read. Um, <laughs> there, the other thing is that we have this is a first of a first of a five book series. Okay. Hopefully, the, the, these will be uh, good enough that everybody will want more and will do others. Mm-hmm. But this first series takes place when he's nine to ten years old. His first year basically her school year at Providence. And there's also a, a trunk that he has uh, inherited. They, there's another grand um, overarching arc, story arc, okay. on, the five, on the five stories. And he has inherited a trunk, uh, an old trunk from his grandfather. And in this trunk, there are some things that are very, very interesting and unusual that set the pattern and the course for the rest of Witt's life. And that, that's a mystery that will be unfolded over the five books as well. Oh, see, see, now I have to read them. I mean, I was planning <laughs> on it anyway, but if there's a mystery trunk that explains what makes wit wit, okay, see, now you got me. Like, if I was a preteen, you had me with the Confederate treasure, but now as an adult who grew up with Odyssey, I'm like, okay, now I'm going to, okay, <laughs> good job. I see what you did there. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, we want everybody to read them. I just got my copies, my sample copies, two days ago. And when you get when you get these samples, I looked at them and I went, "Oh, this is so exciting! Oh my goodness!" I, yeah. I was jumping up and down. <laughs> no, I and I was just kidding. I would probably read it anyway. Honestly, I don't tell everyone this, but I still have a bit of an Odyssey obsession, um, and I still listen, not as faithfully as I used to, but uh, I grew up with. Um, I think it was Paul McCusker when I was growing up that yeah. was writing the Odyssey books, and I loved his Odyssey books. Like they were my favorite thing. But um, anyway, so it's yep. called the Trader's Tra- Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure, first yeah. book in a five book series. How soon are we going to get the next four? Because if I start reading about this trunk, I don't know <laughs> that I'm going to be able to wait. Well, the first book is out now. It released on September 4th. It's at Christian bookstores everywhere. It's on the Focus on the Family website. It's also at Witzin.org. Um, uh, and you can go to the Focus on the Family Bookstore website, and you can also it's also available on Amazon.com, Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure. Uh, the second book, Young Wit and the Shroud of Secrecy, will be available in March of next year. Okay. And, and uh, we will also release book three, which is yet to be untitled, is, is untitled as, as of yet, but uh, that will release in the fall of next year. And then the book four will release in the spring of the following year, and book five will release in the fall of the following year. Okay, so, so by 2020, by 2020, yeah. we'll have all Maybe the answers. By 2020, you'll have all five. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think I can do this then. 
so it's <laughs> it's Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure. You can get it at witsend.org, focusonthefamily.com, Amazon, or anywhere that you can find uh, the best in quality Christian books. Last but not least, okay, before I let you go, I know our time is running out here, but I went over with this uh, with Dave when he was here. But I have to I have to get this in again because I still okay. don't believe that Dr. Blackard is dead. I just don't. It was it was too easy. Like Jack Allen ends up outside, but we never find Blackard's remains. He's out there somewhere, and he's not just in a computer program like that. I never I never bought that one. Like I love Odyssey, but that I was like, mm 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 mm, no. All right, I'm gonna give you a little scoop here. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let me give you a little scoop. Okay. All right. Well, first two things. All of these young wit books, of course, we have the Blackard Chronicles. I'm writing the Blackard Chronicles, which yeah. are out as well. Yeah. Books one and two. Books three and four are all already done. I'll be writing all of those. Okay, they're basically a retelling and story form of what happened on the on the uh, radio program. Sure. However, there's a, there there's new information, lots of new information in there. So get those and read oh, those too. Really? the background. And here's here's the scoop for you. Don't tell anybody. Here's the scoop. Okay, I won't tell anyone. Yeah, just us. All right, ready? Here we go. Ready? Yeah. The Young Wit books and the Blackard books are connected. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I can't tell you how. I, All right. I can't tell you how, but they're connected. All right, so now I have to go buy a whole nother series. My Christmas list just got so much longer. My parents are going to be like, wait, are you serious? And I'm going to say, yes, you don't understand. I talked to Dale Jacobs, and he said that the scoop <laughs> is in Dr. Blackard. Uh, the, the, it's the Blackard Chronicles, right? I've seen them, but I've right. never read them. Yeah. Yeah. No. The- yeah. This is going to make for a they're, fun they're Christmas. Connected. They're connected. They're, <laughs> the two series are connected. We, uh, we very purposefully do this. When, when Dave and I sat down to do this, we said, you know what? We can connect these, and Interesting. we're going to do it. So. All right. Well, there you go, That's Odyssey a fans. for everybody. You heard it. You heard it <laughs> from the man himself. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Phil. I really appreciate you taking time to spend with us here today. And uh, everybody, head on over to witsend.org, focusonthefamily.com. Pick up your copy of Young Wit and the Trader's Treasure. Look forward to reading that. And I uh, hope you uh, have a great day, Phil. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me on the program, Crystal. I really appreciate it. I'll be back anytime you want. All right. Sounds good. And don't go away. We'll return in just a few moments. You're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. And that's all the time that I have left for today. Thank you so much, everyone, for being with us. I appreciate you listening. If you're just tuning in or you're late or you're like, man, I wish that somebody else could hear this podcast because doesn't everybody and you're like podcast no I'm listening on the radio that's okay because guess what it's also a podcast yes you can catch this episode previous episodes of the program on SoundCloud and iTunes just search for the Friddle Show you will find it if you subscribe on iTunes every time there's a new episode it will come directly to your phone or your tablet or whatever is your iDevice uh, without you even having to do anything I know it's super super convenient so I can just appear on your device without you even having to ask. How cool is that? You can find me on social media at The Friddle. Would love to interact with you there. Again, don't forget, if you are here in Las Vegas, we would love to have you with us for church on Sunday, 9.30 or 11.15 Sunday morning, 6 p.m. Sunday evening. It's our One Church Sunday. Uh, For those of you who have come to Liberty for a while, this is a rebranding of our Hispanic Heritage Night. So we're celebrating our, uh, our Hispanic 
our 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 Hispanic community as well as the other communities that are part of our ministry here at Liberty. We will be having a potluck. Please bring lots of delicious food because I am ready and willing to eat it. So uh, that will be at 6 p.m. Sunday evening. Would love to have you here for that. If you would like more information about our church, you can visit our website at experienceliberty.com. Or if you'd like to vi- listen to our station 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you can do that by visiting our radio website at kvxl101.com. That's 101.com, by the way. And that's it. I'm going to stop talking now. Be sure to join us again tomorrow. It's Fun Friday, so I'm going to be giving some stuff away. We'll be talking about some crazy fun stories. No politics, because it's Friday as we head into our weekend. Thanks again for being here. See you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.